Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by... Good friends at Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give all the loyal listeners a pair of free deerskin gloves by just sending an email to marketing at axontire.com. Sean needs some of those down there. It's getting uh, it's getting cold, getting colder down there. It's almost it's almost going to break break into the 60s. So Sean is uh, quaking in his in his boots right now. So. It's a rough time for the Floridians down there when it comes to this time of the year, spring. So I hope you guys can can muster up all the uh, internal fortitude to keep keep moving forward through the fall. Yeah, all the snowboards are going back up north because it's too cold here. So, <laughs> so if you want to pair those gloves, then mark in the email. Mark, send an email. I will say, I will say in Tallahassee, which is uh-huh. still technically Florida, where my daughter is. It's going That's to be the capital. The, I hope it's still technically Florida. It's going to be in the 30s. So that you know that that that's a little chilly. That's a little mm. chilly. So um, 30s. You know, you got to define that a little bit. 30s. I think she's I think she's only experienced that maybe once. So it'll be it'll be a fun, happy time. It'll, it'll be a time she talks to her kids about it. Remember that time? Once when I was in college, I got to 30. <laughs> Just 39, though, not 30, 39. It just, just broke in there. <laughs> you want some deerskin gloves? Go to marketingaxontire.com and they will send you a free pair of gloves. Valley Transportation has been hauling nagging construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. Finally, this podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. Their Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. 
create connected customer experience and transform how you work today. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? Pretty good, Casey. Real good. Real good. good. Well, we have got a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Xi Jinping came out yesterday with a nice fiery speech saying, we're going to make China, China again, and everybody get out of our way. Um, so that made me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Um, you have, you know, Russia doing some very targeted missile strikes throughout Ukraine, um, in Kiev especially, and they're targeting a lot of uh, basically humanitarian stuff, you know, electrical grids and sewage plants and all those kind of things. And then you got the Chinese out here looking at um, alternatives to soy meal because there's a shortage that they see out there right now. So let's start with uh, start with hogs this morning, Sean. You're looking at this report coming out about uh, the soy meal shortage that they see and high prices that they have and shipping delays that they have coming out of the United States. As you take a look at what's going on in China with hogs, I mean, how how much is this going to impact an already uh, very high priced Chinese hog market? Well, I mean. You know they had they've had to liquidate these. Um, you know they had to liquidate the hog market as we've been talking about. So their their animal units right now are very very low. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually don't have a lot of need for bean meal at the moment. Whenever they start to rebuild the herd, they will need bean meal again. So that's really um, you know the, it, it's a, it's a question of uh, preparing for when they will need it again. And uh, well, for right now, you know, who knows what the truth is in China? I mean, nobody really knows. It's do they have a shortage of meal or not? I know they have a shortage of pork. I know they have a shortage of hogs. I know their feed demand needs are low right now. But you know, at some point, they'll need more meal, um, and they'll have to go buy those. I think what they're trying to do is now that the harvest has come in here from the U.S. Um, and it looks so far like the best start. To the soybean crop in uh, Brazil in five or six years, um, you know, I, I think they're going to try to wait it out and see if they can't get a bunch of supplies out of Brazil, um, and and then handpick, you know, when they want to buy supplies from us. Right. So. Yep. So this from uh, we've we've talked about this quite a bit on here as you look at the varying uh, market influencers that are out there. With that kind of speech that that uh, Xi Jinping put out yesterday, um, talking about really accelerating the the Taiwan timeline there. Yeah, how much pressure do you think? That, I mean, what what's what's market response going to be that today? You think? Well, look, they, he's coming out of this meeting. They've they talked about whatever they're going to talk about. They're, so somehow this five year plan is going to uh, kind of filter out in the market and. Uh, he's going to apply himself now with this indoctrination that he's there for life. Right. Um, so it's going to be a different, I think he's going to have different policies now than he had before. He, he had a certain set of policies that he felt he needed to get through this, this big meeting mm-hmm. and to get to the other side. But I think now he's going to, you know, really do what he probably felt he wanted to do before. Um, but but didn't feel he could do it, given that he was trying to get this final lifetime approval. Right, right. So when you have the, uh, as you're looking at what's going on right now 
with the uh, the corn soybean markets. Now you've seen some big moves in in those marketplaces. You saw them get kind of smashed uh, last week when the CPI report came out, but they all for whatever reason the markets were all re- rebounded nicely uh, by the end of the day for the most part. When you're looking at what's going on now, the soybean market now we're we're seeing, you know, harvest is is rapidly uh, getting getting done uh, quicker than and more easily than we've seen in the past year, just because of what weather conditions have looked like. I guess as you're looking at what's going on now in the corn market, Sean, what are your thoughts there? You know, harvest supplies keep coming in. Um, that's going to keep the market well well supported or you know, well supplied. Um, uh, the, the, the river being low is going to continue to back up some exports that would otherwise be delivered. Um, and right now, so long as Brazil weather looks really, really good, it's it's going to override the Argentina weather that's been, you know, kind of uh, unfavorable. And so I just think we're stuck on corn right now, Casey. I don't really see a major justification for much higher prices. I see some justification for prices to come down, but I don't see the justification yet to bring prices down aggressively. That would only happen December, January, if, if the market is making the decision that we're going to have big crops out of. South America. So I kind of feel like we've, we've priced all this bullish news in and we probably just need to work down some, some prices as harvest pressure comes in, supplies come on the market. And, um, and remember, everywhere in the world we look, there's less animal feeding units than we had a year ago, which means that the, the ability to bid up feed or the, or the desire to bid up feed um, at these higher prices is just not going to be there. So I just, I just think if I'm a producer, cash selling corn here at these high at this upper level band, I think is the right thing to be doing right now. You know, if it looks like we're going to have a big weather rally on Argentina later in the season, you know, you can always do something to counteract that. But I just think these prices, on top of what we had in May, are going to be your high watermark for a while, especially with El Nino weather pattern arriving by the spring. It's just going to be really hard to do anything but build ending stocks over the next 12 months in corn and soybeans and in wheat from what we, what we see now, now the dry weather and um, you know, in the Southern Plains and all with the KC wheat, that looks to me like it's going to get a little better. Um, we're getting some rain, spotty rain. Um, planting is on pace. I, I, I just don't think that's going to be enough to drive the wheat market. It still comes down to what's going on with Russia. And is that news going to excite the market more than it already was or not. And right now the market's getting bored from Russia. They're not, I'm not saying what's going on there is not really important, but they're just not, they're not, they're not reacting in the way that they were. I think they're moving, they're, they're feeling it's a lot of uh, stuff going on, but, but the issue with the corridor deal is still on. And mm-hmm. until that looks like it's going to come off, I was another 40 days, Casey, 35 days. End of November. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just going to be, you know, you know, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things that are happening, but in terms of the price of wheat, for example, it has to be, is, is, is all of that going to stop supplies coming out of Ukraine right now? The market is saying they're not worried about it. At least not right now. So. Right on. Okay. Natural gas, something we talked about in here quite a bit. And there's an article out this morning talking about natural gas uh, on average will be $931 more. Uh, they're going to pay $931 between October and March, which is a 28% increase over last year. 
especially with what we see happening with drying and you know corn harvest going on in in particularly the ice states where they dry down corn quite a bit in dryers using natural gas. Do you see anything out there right now that shows that natural gas is going to do anything other than than what you've talked about moving up to this point? The problem with natural gas, the, the first thing is we lost that export terminal, that Freeport export terminal. Sure. It's, it's not mm-hmm. going to come fully back online until December. So we lost all those exports that would have gone out. We've had high prices now for a year. Production is growing very rapidly, as you would expect eventually see. I mean, <laughs> $7, $8 natural gas prices. It, they, anyone that's operating a fracking well in natural gas is making an obscene amount of money. So production's growing. The injections into U.S. storage the last three weeks have been absolutely off the charts. If you look at the injection graph of natural gas going to storage, um, there was a gap of about 400 million British thermal units that we were down from a year ago. And we've been, it looks to me like we could end the draw, uh, the rebuild season higher than we were last year at this time, the way we're building injections into storage. Um, and I don't see this winter uh, being a real nasty cold one like last year. I don't see a big polar vortex, extreme, you know, cold. And I, I see it being kind of a mild, more milder winter. You know, some there's always some cold weather, but not the big polar vortex extreme weather that really drives demand for natural gas and freezes those wellheads. I don't see that. I think we're going to have a warm start. November could be very warm. I don't know, Casey. I'm just not feeling. When you look at the natural gas storage in Europe, they're at 95% a full capacity and you know they're having uh some warm weather i think their warm weather is going to continue also in november it looks to me like they could get to 100 of their normal storage going into the winter season you know obviously they're not getting all the natural gas from your from uh, russia that they ha- had in the past they'll still have to buy lng from the u.s and elsewhere but at 100 capacity unless they have a you know a record cold winter which we're not forecasting i don't i think this energy crisis for natural gas has been kicked forward a year. I, I just don't, doesn't look to me like we have this setup for this year. Doesn't mean it's going to be great. Doesn't mean we won't have some weather rallies, but I think we, we are going to um, get through this one because of a warm winter and because, you know, high prices have done what high prices always do, which is improve at least U S production of, of uh, liquid natural gas. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, you know, prices now are under six. Um, you know, I'm not saying we're going all the way back down to three and a half where we were, you know, two years ago when we started the big bull market. But, you know, we might find ourselves, you know, sitting around five, five and a half, maybe for an extended period of time um, until we kind of work through this and uh, and get to the other side, you know. All right. Okay. So when you're, you're talking about a, a milder winter. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, Last year, we had a negative quasi-biennial oscillation, and we had a major La Nina. Mm-hmm. Both create an amplified jet stream pattern. Amplified pattern means it destabilizes the polar vortex and creates these polar vortex events. We had we call these stretches last year where the polar vortex stretched and it stretched, and then we finally had one just totally break apart in late February that led to that late-ending winter that we had been predicting all year long. We don't have that this year. We have a La Nina that's going to be weakening it. And actually, by the time we get to the end of the winter, it's going to be gone. And we're actually going to be moving into 
El Nino. Uh, that means that the amplified jet stream is going to flatten because you're losing the La Nina amplification. This year, we have a positive quasi-binary oscillation. Positive means east to west. I'm sorry, west to east is positive. Last year, it was east to west. That also helps elongate the upper airflow pattern. So when you elongate and take the amplification of the jet stream off, that means your polar vortex is going to stay very strong, cylindrical. It's not going to all, you know, we're not going to get all these distortions. It's just going to be a very stable polar vortex this year. And unless you get that destabilization, the only kind of cold you're going to get is more of what I'd call not Arctic air, just, you know, they call it polar air. Comes in from Canada, you, know, you get the right airflow and you get some, but it's not that, you know, minus 35, you know, 20 right. degrees below normal. All the way into Texas, we're not. I don't see that happening this year, um, and it means more of a kind of a northern, you know, northern tier, maybe northeast tier. But you're not going to get the cold plunging far south like you did when you get these big undulations downward. So that that overall says to me, it's more of a mild winter. It's not going to be a long ending winter. Um, not going to have extreme. Uh, you know, coal that really, really sets the, the, the natural gas in a bad spot. You'll have a weather rally from time to time. We always do every year, you know, get a little cold air coming in. But I don't see this being the, the, the winter like we had last year. And, and for what Europe needs in terms of you know, what they need right now, they need a more mild winter. So their demand is down. They've already had some demand destruction. You know, if, you, if your house is above 65 degrees, they're going to find you there now or something mm -hmm. like that, you know. Um, so I, so I think when we look at we're, we're going to be able to get through this winter without actually anywhere near as much trouble as we thought. Um, and that's actually going to improve the economic outlook for Europe, at least this winter. I'm a little more worried about what happens um, you know, when, when the next cold winter comes. Unless Russia supplies, Casey, come back online, uh, and it doesn't look like they are anytime soon, um, if you have a cold winter, like a really, really cold winter, that's when the, the, the crisis could hit, especially, um, you know, if we have any kind of uh, additional uh, escalation or disruption in uh, geopolitical um, issues that we're dealing with right now. So I, I kind of feel we've kicked the can down the road. I know the market keeps talking about this uh, energy crisis for Europe, but I actually don't think it's, I think, I think the probabilities of that happening now are very remote. Um, and, and quite frankly, for the people there and for the economy and for the, the good the good of the global economy, you know, that's a good thing for that to have happened. And, and so, you know, we might have just dodged a bullet on this one. I, you know, I don't hopefully in the next 12 months, other good things will happen that allow us to dodge the bullet again. But I think at least for this winter, I'm not expecting any fireworks like we had last year. I don't see that. Right on. Do you see uh, snow, more snowpack in the in the mountains west on the western part of the united states this winter the back half of the winter yes and the reason is that um, when you're dealing with a uh la nina leaving and an el nino coming el nino is a much wetter pattern so it has a lot more moisture attached to it um uh much more humidity so even though it's not as cold casey it's always cold enough in the mountains right so with more precipitation potential and um, you know, your normal cold air in the mountains, we are expecting to see a, a much better snowpack season in the back half of the winter when the La Nina uh, leaves and we start 
moving towards warmer sea surface temperatures in the central Pacific. So if you're into the skiing or slopes or, you know, the mountains and the rain, you know, all that sort of thing, I, th I think, I think we're going to have a, a better snowpack. And obviously the snowpack is very important for helping fill up some of those reservoirs and lakes that are extremely dry and, and, the, and the allocations that are being considered, you know, in terms of reducing those allocations of water rights and such. It doesn't mean it's going to get it back up to 100%, but it will help a lot to go into the season with some some better, you know, water capabilities, um, you know, than they've had the last couple of years, Casey. Yeah. So cool. I like to shred. So yeah, get those mountains and, and carve it up, <laughs> or fall down. One of the two. Yeah, whatever comes first, I guess. All right, man. Uh, last topic here. So we're looking over and seeing what's happening in. And wheat and what you see happening there, you know, India just raised some local wheat purchasing prices. So I saw some stuff there. You see what they've done with, with broken rice and what that looks like. Um, the planting issues that we've seen here in the, in the, uh, in the U S um, there's some places that have gotten some rain that, that needed rain during those planting times. So I guess Sean looking at wheat right now, it's still kind of the, the little train that could be pulling the market up, you know, and those kind of things. So looking at wheat, what's your thoughts? I think the dry weather, which you know, even though some rains have come in and it's helping, especially when they're trying to get the crop, you know, seeded right now and drilled yep. in. Um, I think that issue isn't really going to go away. We're going to go into dormancy with a lot of the crop, not in great conditions. Um, that's going to help prevent the market from falling too far from where we are now. I don't think it rallies the market from here, though. Okay. To rally the market from here, you're going to need uh, an adverse spring post dormancy and uh whether that's here or whether that's in russia um and i don't see that i see a very very productive uh el nino uh you know wet mild uh, spring season which is exactly what you want when those so so even though the crop may not the the entire crop may not go into dormancy in the best of conditions i think that the crop that isn't that's okay that comes out it's gonna have such good weather that those yields are going to be so big It'll override the areas that even with good weather can't make the grade. Um, so I just think that that's going to be the bigger issue is that we're finally going to have a really good spring season, which we have not had the last two years. And we're going to have a much bigger crop than we've been accustomed to seeing in the last two years. And that's really going to help, you know, put the genie back in the bottle because the U S is always the supplier of last resort. And you know, historically, you know, you buy corn, when you can't get it from anybody else. You buy soybeans when you can't get it from anybody else. You buy wheat when you can't get it from anybody else. So if we have a big crop, then everyone's going to feel comfortable that, well, we don't have to panic anymore because the U.S. has got it. And if we need it, we can always call them and get some, some wheat because they're always reliable sellers to us. It's going to be a big change. Uh, but in the meantime, the market's not going to really, no, it's not going to know that until we get there. But I do think that for now, the downside's protected from that dry weather. Um, but the upside's got to come from more Russia issues, especially around this um, grain corridor. What happens as we as the clock ticks closer to the expiration of that um, of that uh, deal? That will be a really important time, and uh, there'll be wild speculation of what's going to happen if they find a way to keep it going. You know, it, it's going to be very hard for the wheat market to to, to rally if they. Uh, delay a decision or they temporarily halt the deal it could be fireworks to the upside like we just saw we would you know remember we went up to nine and a half now we've already dropped the dollar back down 
on um, just like that because of the change in the perception of the geopolitics of Russia. So it's a, it's a, I'm, I, the way I'm viewing this case is I don't know how to predict those things. Um, I'm not sure anybody does. But if I'm a producer, I want to keep selling every time the market gets excited about geopolitics and runs the market up into that nine and a half, ten dollar area like it's been wanting to do, whether you're looking at Casey Wheat, Chicago <coughs> Trade Wheat, or Spring Wheat, I think you need to be a cash seller, be opportunistic. And we had recommended when the market took off on the last go around when they had that bombing of the bridge, you know, that if, if we got to that area, we would be cash sellers. And then the, and the market's now down a dollar from that level. So I just think you have to look at the situation that way. Don't know what's going to happen, but if we keep periodically getting those rallies on geopolitics, it's a phenomenal price. You're a very profitable wheat farmer selling at those prices. You and, and I just think that's the strategy until we get a clear idea of what's really going to happen in the long term there. So right on. Okay. Sean, get stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have information on our weather algorithm, capital flows algorithm, and a lot of the unique fundamental work that we do that helps form the basis of our price forecasts um, to see if that kind of information would be of value to your listeners. Right on. Well, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always a pleasure. and. Uh, Look forward to doing this again. All right, man. We'll see you Thursday. All right. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and the ever so cleverly named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, check that out there. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, check it out there. Also, um, the good folks at Axon Tire are giving out a uh, $50 discount to the first 150 people that sign up for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. That's September 11th through the 13th, and that's in uh, that's in Nashville at the uh, Hilton Hotel downtown. So if you're interested in doing that, go over to the Moving Iron LLC website and click the uh, click the site over there. Uh, I'll have more information up here about what what things are going to look like and, and schedules and those kind of things uh, probably in uh, in late November, um, mid to late November, what that looks like. So, but if you want to go ahead and get signed up, go ahead and do that now. And Axon Tire will send you a we'll, we'll give you a fifty dollar discount when you use Axon at checkout. So make sure you uh, make sure you do that. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. We smart folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having one hundred years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard work. Hard for
Moving on.